Hello, my friends, and welcome to The Bible in Order, where we are chronologically going through the entire Bible in one year. Today's reading for November 8th is Matthew 25, beginning with the parable of the ten virgins, or the ten bridesmaids. It's important to understand this story, the basic gist of way the basic gist of the way weddings went in ancient Israel. The groom would often come and pay the dowry to the father of the bride, and then he would go away to make a place for her, for their family to live in. It might take even as long as a year for him to do that. And then he would return to collect her, and there would be a huge celebration. Obviously, his return was very much anticipated, and part of that return and that celebration that would take place would be the bridesmaids, these younger single ladies who would wait and watch for the return of the groom. And when he returned, they would light the path and they would welcome him and they would guide him. Now, in this story of the 10 bridesmaids, five were wise and fully prepared. Five were foolish because they didn't have enough oil. They brought oil. Their lamps were lit. They were watching for his return. They were waiting anxiously for him to arrive, but they didn't have enough oil. They weren't able to keep the way lit long enough. Their oil ran out. The only difference in this story between the foolish and the wise was the amount of oil they had. Give us some of your oil, they asked of the wise women who were prepared. There wouldn't be enough. We don't have enough for us and for you. You'll have to go and buy your own. And as they went out to buy their own, while they were away, the groom came. The celebration began. And when these foolish, unprepared bridesmaids returned with their oil, the party had already begun. The procession was already over. The very thing that they had been called for and tasked with was already complete without them. They did not serve their purpose. And so when they knock on the door saying, let us in, the bridegroom says, these are wedding crashers. They don't belong here. They weren't invited. No, I'm sorry. You're not coming in. The door is locked. The party has begun. You have no place with us. And I don't even know who you are. It's reminiscent of Matthew 7, 21, where Jesus says, on that day, many will say, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we heal? Didn't we do all of these great things? Jesus will say, I never knew you. Get away from me. You guys are evil. The things you do are evil. I don't know you because they weren't prepared with oil. And I believe the oil represents the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit as those who love him are filled with him. According to this parable, half of those who were waiting and watching for the return of the groom missed it because they weren't ready. That's an indictment on the church. If we think of it in today's terminology of those knowing that Jesus is returning someday, he is the groom who's returning for his bride. We, the church, are the bride, and yet we're also the bridesmaids in this parable. We're waiting for his return. Jesus is saying, half of you aren't ready. 
half of you are going to miss it. Half of you don't love me and I don't know you. If the oil is the Holy Spirit and represents fellowship with God, friends, we must cry out to God for more oil. Give us more to overflowing, Father. Fill us with your Spirit, O God. Don't treat us as our sins deserve, but fill us with your Spirit. May we recognize the signs of the time. May we not miss it. The next story Jesus tells is the parable of the talents. A talent is 6,000 denarii, roughly. A denarius is worth one day's wages. So a talent would be roughly 20 years worth of the median salary at that time. In America in 2024, that'd be roughly a million and a half dollars, give or take. 6,000 coins. A man is going on a journey. He entrusts all of his possessions to his servants, to one servant, according to each one's ability, the man gives five talents to one servant, two talents to another servant, and one to the remaining servant. Immediately, the first servant who had received five went out and put the money to work, and so he doubled it. The second servant who received the two talents also doubled it, following suit. But this third servant dug a hole and buried the money. Think about 6,000 coins. How much labor is involved with burying 6,000 coins? So often when we strive to get out of the labor that has been given us, we end up working much harder and exerting much more effort than we would had we just done what we were supposed to do. We are told that this servant was given according to his ability, and yet he didn't want to do what he was able. He chose to be lazy, to try to find a way out, and it ended up creating more work for him than he would have had he just gone to the banker and deposited the money. I'm sure while the master was away, there were times when this servant thought he should probably dig up the money and maybe take it to the bank. That seemed like a lot of work, and then all of a sudden, when the master does return, Now he has to go and dig it up. And I'm sure while he was digging, he was thinking, this was really a poor idea. And so he thinks up a story. He's got to find someone to blame other than himself. And so when he presents the talent, this million and a half dollars back to the master who has returned, he says, I knew that you were a harsh man, that you reap what you didn't sow, that you harvest from seed you didn't scatter. And I was afraid that you were going to be mean and unfair to me, that you would be unforgiving had I made a mistake and lost any of your money. So I decided not to do anything with it. And here it is, kept safe for you. The master knows that this man is lying to him. He he says, "I, I, I gave you what I knew you could handle, but you chose not to handle it. And so by your own words, the way you're calling me harsh and saying that I'm mean and unforgiving and all of those things, if that's the way you want to portray me and label me, then that's what you'll get. Take the talent from this one and add it to the one who's got 10 now, because to everyone who has, more will be given. Those who understand that stewardship is multiplication, they will receive more and more. But from the one who does not have, the one who 
buries his talent in the dirt of his backyard, even what he has shall be taken from him. This servant is worth nothing to me. Throw him out. This parable is not just about money. It's about effort. It's about intention. It's about being a good steward with what you've received, whether it's financial, spiritual understanding, revelation that you've received from God. Are you sharing it with others? Think about the picture of the cross, how there's this taller, longer vertical beam that represents the flow of the Spirit and revelation and the Word of God coming from heaven and going down to dwell on and in mankind. But there's a cross beam. It's shorter, and it's horizontal, and it represents giving out what we receive, the oil, the revelation, the love, the forgiveness the freedom that comes from heaven and sets people free needs to go out and touch those around them. It's part of stewardship. As you disciple three, may they each also disciple three. And may those nine disciple three, making 27. And those 27 disciple three, making 81. And so on. It multiplies. There's exponential growth as everybody is doing what it is they are called to do. But for those who make excuses for why they don't do the work God has given them, they will face utter judgment and they will be cast out of his presence. It is time for the church to turn off the distractions. We have been inundated with distractions. The third story Jesus tells in Matthew 25 is that of the sheep and the goats. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne, in verse 31. All of the peoples or nations or tribes or ethnicities from all around the world will gather together before him, and he will separate them the way a shepherd separates sheep from goats. The sheep will be placed at his right hand, and then the king will say to them, Come, you who are blessed by my father, receive the inheritance prepared for you in advance from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, a foreigner, and you took me in. I was underdressed, threadbare, wearing only underwear, and you clothed me. I was sick, feeble, and weak, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. And they will say, When did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or without clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did unto me. And for the goats, those who went to his left, he will say, depart from me. You who are cursed into the eternal fire that's been prepared for the devil and his messengers. I was hungry. You gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger in a foreign land and you didn't take me in. I was naked, and you didn't clothe me. I was in prison, and you didn't come visit me. 
then they too will say, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or unclothed? When were you a stranger or a foreigner before us or sick or in prison and we didn't help you? I tell you the truth, he will say, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, my brothers or sisters, you did not do for me, and they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. We will all face judgment based on how we respond to the needs of the most underprivileged among us. Who do you know who's hungry or thirsty, who is a stranger in a foreign land? who is underclothed, exposed, who is sick or feeble, or even who's in prison. And we don't have to think about these in just the strict natural sense. We can think about them from a spiritual perspective as well. Who is spiritually hungry around you? Are you making time for them? Who is spiritually thirsty? Who's hungering and thirsting for righteousness? Are you helping them? whose needs are not being met, who is imprisoned by demonic strongholds around you? Are you checking in on them to see if they would like to be made well? Are you offering your services? In these three parables, we are seeing Jesus demonstrate for us the up, down, and side to side that exists in the kingdom of heaven. The oil coming down from heaven representing the Holy Spirit at work in us. The love of God, a desire to be busy, to be good stewards, multiplying what he's given us to work with. But we must also be busy about meeting the needs of the people around us. It's loving God and loving people. Do you love God? If you were standing trial today, because you were accused of loving God, would there be enough evidence to convict you? If you were standing trial today, accused of loving people, would there be evidence to convict you? The kingdom of God is all about connection with God, understanding how he wants us to administer his kingdom, and then loving people. It's both. It's not one or the other. Many churches today are so focused on worship, and that's all they're focused on. And worship is amazing. Seeing the glory of God fill the atmosphere is something all of our hearts should long for. And yet we must be pouring out what we receive into those around us as well. This is why all of Paul's letters written to the various New Testament churches are chock full of the word one another. This is why Jesus said, they will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. Pray with me that God will change our hearts and that we'll be busy about loving him and one another. For the glory of God, for the advancement of his kingdom, and for the good of all, may it be. God bless you, my friends. Thank you for being on this journey with me. It is a privilege and an honor to study through the word of God with you. And for those of you who are interested, I am a senior real estate specialist and a strategic listing specialist, uniquely qualified to meet the real estate needs of our senior citizens all around us. I am currently based in Southwest Florida, listing homes in Estero at Fort Myers and Naples. It is my honor and privilege to do so. And I'm also looking to team up with real estate agents nationwide. If you are interested in connecting with me, 
either as a fellow real estate professional or as a potential buyer or seller, connect with me at agentdaviddoty.com. Thank you and God bless.